Martin Al, you make the case for increased spending in mental health provision, and you make it very convincingly. I want you to imagine successfully making the case to a minister. And the minister says, I hear what you're saying, but look at these people. And he shows you his waiting room, or her waiting room, full of people who think the key issue is a different one. Sugar, obesity, war, even recently sleep. And he says, or she says, make your case over and above the other cases that I hear every day for the special nature of my demand on the Exchequer. Well, I could first of all point out that obesity, war and sleep all have important mental health aspects to them. So I'll come back to that if you want to. But I think the important thing is that there are always more demands than any health system can meet or respond to. So we have to choose and the minister has to choose or the NHS England has to choose which of those different people will get the treatment or who will get treatment first and what sort of treatment they get. So you know, there's always going to be those, mm -hmm. those cues of people who are demanding more than they're able to get. Um, obesity we know is a big risk factor for mental health problems. We know that people who are obese are more likely to get dementia for example. So helping with the obesity would also help with their dementia but be aware of the other interfaces too. Uh, people who have sleep problems often are depressed or anxious so why so, not treat those problems? So which comes first? You see take say poverty is a classic one and therefore inequality and you're implying it in the answer you've given me. Which comes first? Is the mental health a consequence of other stuff that we need to deal with or is it the thing that drives the other stuff? It's both. It's both. I mean we know that people with economic disadvantage, people who are socially isolated, people from disadvantaged backgrounds are more likely to get common mental disorders. We also know that people with those mental health problems are more likely to fall into poverty, to be unemployed, to be socially isolated and so on. So there's a vicious cycle of, of disadvantage there and breaking into it is really important for any healthcare system. Do you system. feel sometimes though in a world in which shrinking resources for the state seems normal that you're in competition with other good guys, people say like John Hills, our colleague here, who argue for, about inequality and so on, in competition for scarce resources? Is there a sordid way in which you're battling for the ear of a minister in a shrinking exchequer opportunity? I don't mind being sordid if I'm battling. I think battling is good. I think we have to battle with evidence and so bringing evidence to bear to help those decision makers, the minister, whoever it is, the local commissioner, help them to make those difficult decisions. Yeah. And we do that by bringing evidence from the research we do here at the school and elsewhere. So I think that's what our role so is. So oddly you're a beneficiary. I don't mean this in a crude way. You're a beneficiary of the generalisation of the problem. You need more people to have direct experience of the ill effects of mental health problems in order to grow the capacity to deliver the budget. Partly, but also I think we need to tell people that the indirect effects, the direct and indirect effects of mental illness are not felt in the health system, they're felt elsewhere. So people, young people, children with conduct disorder have a very high risk of developing into uh, you know, teenage delinquents and yeah. adult offenders. Yeah. People with substance misuse cause major if, mayhem in their communities. If there was just one or two things Let's say these are not just providing all more psychiatrists and they're not necessarily providing immediate cognitive therapy to the population. One or two realisable things at the moment, not being done simply as a quirk of inefficiency or something. What are those things that you would suggest could be done which would improve the mental health of this country in a radically and effective way? Well, if it was long term, which politicians are not operating in the long term, I would say really address the mental health needs of children and adolescents because those problems 
that you're stacking up problems if you don't address them, those problems will last throughout their life course and they will spill over to have effects on families and communities. So do something in early years. Secondly, I think doing something around prevention. There's a lot we can do about prevention. Quite often people with mental health problems have all sorts of terrible other health behaviours yeah. and it's often those other health behaviours that kill them. They smoke too much, they drink too much, they're overweight, lots of other things they do. So helping them to understand their wider health needs, wider social and personal needs, would be really useful. Martin Knapp, thank you very much for subjecting yourself to the Guilty Grilling. Thank you very much.